0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Ron Johnson Show and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. Today we have to talk about this, the the Timberwolves. We're going to talk about the Gophers. There's some transfer stuff going on that's very confusing and I I feel like kids now are just transferring because they can do it. And so they have to rein this in or it's gonna get out of control because even free agency can't go this crazy. But we gotta talk about the Timberwolves because I was at the game. They lost to the Pistons on New Year's Eve. Then they turn around and beat the best team in the West. We'll talk about that coming up next on the Ron Johnson show.
1: Locked on sports, Minnesota podcasts. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson show on the field in the broadcast booth. Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. It's a snowy day in Minnesota, so I don't know where you're listening from, but I hope you're not dealing with what we're dealing with. It snowed all of yesterday. There was a snow day for kids yesterday and today as well. And it's going to snow today until about 2 p.m. So, you know, we're, we're snowed in. So when we're snowed in, what else is there to talk about? Sports. We have Courtney Cronin coming up today on the Ron Johnson Show, ESPN analyst. She's going to talk to us about this Vikings-Bears game, game as well as DeMar Hamlin. She had a big opinion on ESPN. And I'm interested to hear her thoughts on that so she can extrapolate and uh, continue to uh, explain her thoughts on where the NFL could take this season. And also, we have to dive into the transfer portal, as I said in the code open. But you know what? Before we do that, I want you guys to remember the Locked On Sports app. It's on the Amazon Fire and the Roku apps on your TV. Just go to your apps, hit search, search Locked On Sports Minnesota. You can download the app right to your TV, get all of our videos, all of our shows, and instant podcasts after every game so you can see it all right when it gets loaded up because it's right there in your app and if it's not loaded it'll be there you can go back and watch all the interviews adam thielen uh, uh cam bynum go check them out but as i before i bring my producer in uh sam extraman or once i bring my producer sam extraman we have to talk about this uh we're going to talk vikings uh and we're going to talk a ton of bears don't worry about that second segment third segment we got a ton of bears ton of vikings talk coming up with courtney cronin so i want to talk a little bit about the gophers and as I bring Sam Extraman to the show, my producer, Sam, when you think about Gophers football, you don't think of big moves. You don't think about big off-season moves. The Gophers, for the last six to seven years, have just been consistent. P.J. Flex has been very consistent with recruiting just enough to get you excited, but not like names where you worry about other schools coming to poach them. The Gophers lose, guys, because they're just not happy with what they thought and where they are. What they thought and where they are. And so, what they thought was maybe like, "Oh man, Minnesota is—they're okay, but they're—they're they're not as 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 recruit. They—they they don't recruit like Ohio State. They don't recruit like Michigan. Uh, so I can go to Minnesota and I can be a star right away. But then they get here, and it doesn't work out the way they think it should work out. So they want to transfer. I'm saying freshman transfer. I never understood that as a freshman you're an 18 year old kid out of high school and you decide to transfer why you haven't even matured yet some of you haven't even hit full puberty yet some freshmen are 17 seriously they haven't hit that grown man puberty yet some of them can't even grow beards and mustaches yet and they're like this is not for me i'm gonna transfer now i do know there's outside circumstances there's school there's relationships with coaches uh they're feeling disrespected. I get all of that. There's that, of course. So I can't deny that we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. But for the players that it seems like it's just a freshman red, act being asked to redshirt, I look at freshmen that I play with that went to the NFL. that either set out a year or two or redshirted. Mike Lehan, friend of the show, he's been on. Uh, Mike Lehan, my freshman year, he redshirted. One of the top players in Minnesota, a freak athlete, four four speed. They redshirted him all of a sudden, freshman year, redshirt freshman year doesn't play much. Willie Middlebrooks, Delvin Jones, uh Jimmy Wyrick all NFL guys. Mike Lehan, sophomore year, starts to play a little bit, but it's not starting. Still not the guy. It's not starting. Doesn't transfer, doesn't because Mike Lehan with his speed, his ability, and clearly NFL guy played for a couple years, so he's definitely a great player. He could have went to any other, because back in the day, you couldn't transfer in Big Ten to Big Ten. But he could have went over to Georgia Tech. They probably would have took him. He could have went to Syracuse. He could have went to any of those schools, uh, Power Five type schools. North Carolina probably would have took him. I mean, Mike Lehan was a great athlete. Junior, senior, because I was gone by then. And then his senior, senior year, his redshirt senior year, bought out. He was the guy, him and Yuki Dozier. But that's the thing. So many guys think, I need to transfer and get out of here. Jared Ellerson, receiver I played with, redshirted because he was a se- he was a freshman when I was a senior, so he definitely wasn't going to get me out of there. But he decided <laughs> to wait the next year. Though he has to deal with he's he has Ernie Willwright in there, you know, like he's he's played behind some NFL caliber receivers, Logan Payne, Ernie Willwright, you know, like and Jared Ellerson waited. Jared Ellerson ends up playing his junior, senior year, and then he goes on and, and gets a tryout with the Bears. So, again, NFL caliber type of receiver, has the size 6'3", but doesn't just leave and go back to – because he's from Ohio. He could have left and went to Miami, Ohio, or somewhere like that. But, no, he's like, you know what, I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to earn my way on the field. And so, so many players um, – and there's a the thing, too, about our team. Like, a lot of guys maybe didn't leave because they were having fun. They're really good friends on the team. I don't understand this. And, and, I, and I bring this up, people. So, for people wondering where I'm going with this, former Gophers, and there's a tweet out there by, by Andy Greeter. And then I, I quote tweeted it as well. So, you can see that on Twitter. That's three Ron Johnson on Twitter. I sat there and looked at the tweet. And before I did, I said, you know what? Kai Thomas and Bucky Urban both transferred. Bucky Urban is balling for Oregon. So, hey, he made a good decision. Nike money out there, crazy. I get it. But Kai Thomas transferred probably not realizing Bucky was going to transfer. Because if Kai knew Bucky was gonna leave, he doesn't need to leave because then it's him and Mo Iberham. In my opinion, he was a little bit better back than Trey Potts. Not much better, but I thought he had a little bit more quick twitch. So I feel like as a, as a compliment to Mo, he fits. And he leaves, goes to Kansas, 162 yards, two touchdowns. Now he wants to leave Kansas. This kid's gonna transfer two schools in two years. He's going to be on his third school in three years. That's crazy to me that the kids are just jumping out into the portal to transfer. And I I just feel like kids need to just wait. And it's so much like Twitter, Instagram. I get it. It's all about filters and instant gratification. People can tell you right away. I love you. Ooh, you're great. Ooh, fire emoji. People can tell you right away what they think about you. Now there's a negative to that. They can tell you suck. They can tell you that outfit is ugly. They can tell you that badger sweatshirt you thought was was cute is the worst sweatshirt you've ever decided to buy. I don't care how nice it looks. It could have Louis Vuitton on it. If it says badgers, it's terrible. But that's the one thing that I think people understand is this transfer portal is going to start to hurt kids because the minute they don't feel good about where they're at, they're not going to work harder. They're just going to leave, and that's gonna that's gonna be in them when they get older. Because every job, there's always pros and cons to every job. And Sam, you've been there as well. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. You get you're in a job and you're like, I don't know. But you you have that. I can't just leave, though, because you got kids. You got a house. You got a mortgage. You got a car note. I, I think that's where these kids are. They don't have that. So when they transfer, it's like, look, I'm going to transfer. Like when you get your degree, finally, and you'll get it. Hopefully, you'll get it. That's the other thing. These kids are transferring and don't even know if these credits, you got credits from Minnesota, you got credits from Kansas. You don't know if the next school's going to take those credits. So you're coming in as a third, fourth year freshman, as far as academia goes. We forget you're a student athlete. It's about that degree. Because the chance of you making it to the NFL, if you're not an out the gate guy, that people are like, oh, this guy is it. I don't know. Like, wait. Learn, get bigger, stronger, faster, and then get out there. But if you've already put stuff on tape and they can look at you on tape and say, "Mm, is this kid going to get better? Could he be in the NFL? Maybe, but Sam, we're going to go with you on this. Mm -hmm. What do you think about this transfer portal? Because high school kids are getting hurt as well, because now if I'm a college coach and I was going to go recruit this kid at Cooper high school I'm like, wait, this Kai Thomas kid has played two years of college football, big-time football, at Kent State. Kenny Burns, former goal. I mean, why not transfer to Kent State with Kenny Burns? He was your coach. Now he's the head coach. You are probably better than a lot of the Kent State running backs, if not all of them. I can see Kai Thomas going there. Who knows? But what do you think?
1: Yeah, so yesterday, another Gophers move, Ike White, freshman receiver, decided to transfer. I don't know Ike White's motivations entirely, but it sounds like Ike White might have been willing to stick around. The Gophers brought in several transfer receivers because they had to play the game. They had to go and get some guys in the transfer portal. Um, So it hurts guys like Ike White, who might actually, Ron, they might want to stick around. They might want to put in the work. But then when the team around them goes and gets players that are going to be above them in the pecking order, it kind of forces their hand a little bit, right? Like it, it's not as if, okay, I see my path. I see my path. This guy's going to graduate. This guy's going to graduate. Then I'm going to be the number three guy. I'm going to be the number two guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. They just went out and they got two two more guys. I'm right back where I started. It it de-incentivizes those younger, those younger players to sort of like map out how they're going to get to where they want to be because they just keep getting jumped. Um, you know the they can't really climb the ladder like they used to because the team keeps bringing people in. So I I, I remember going to a lot of senior day ceremonies and you know these four year five year seniors are celebrated. How rare is that going to be now, Ron? To have those long term guys that stick around from freshman to senior year and they have that great moment at the end of their career. It's going to get rarer and rarer. Um, And that's a shame because that's always a really cool moment to get attached to someone for four years and then send them off their senior year. Um, That's kind of the sentimental part of me that that says, man, this is this is too bad.
0: Yeah. And that's the Ike White one. That was the kind of the freshman I bought up. I didn't want to go too deep into it because, again, I don't know the story there, but you're right. You bring in Corey Crooms. Really good receiver. You bring in Elijah Spencer. Really good receiver. Daniel Jackson clearly has earned his way in that group. Uh, Michael Brown Stevens stepped away from the team. So my guess is he's going to enter the transfer portal at some point. Because if those that haven't noticed, he hadn't been there the last, like, two weeks of the season. He didn't do participate in the bowl game. Um, So that's the other reason for the transfer portal. Because you know players are going to mentally get there but i i what i what i thought about what i think about michael brown stevens my guess is when he saw those same with him when he saw those transfer portal guys he was like look i see the writing on the wall i see the comments on twitter i know i'm not attacking the ball i'm not making big catches and eighth and i'm leaving eighth and out to dry if he just makes a couple of those catches and goes up with his hands even knocks them down so not interceptions gophers probably win some of those games illinois purdue michael brown stevens was the had a chance they gave him a chance he just couldn't get it done. I think I feel like Corey Crooms, mm-hmm. Elijah Spencer, from watching their film, they're going to attack the ball. Uh, we got a little bit of time left before we bring in Courtney Cronin and the Hang on Ron Johnson segment. Uh, before we do that, I, just last quick one. We, we said we're going to talk about it. Timberwolves, and we'll, we'll do more of this on Friday, but Timberwolves are very concerned. I'm concerned. And this is where I go. If, if you mm-hmm. can beat the number one team in the West, the Nuggets, but you lose to the Pistons, and I was at the Pistons game New Year's Eve. Got to take my family. Uh, thanks to Jim Peterson for allowing us to come down uh, on the court. We got to take pictures on the court and hang out. Um, you know, he, he loved him. Talked to him after the game for a long time with the family and and his wife and 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 Rebecca Bronson and her family and her kid and got to you know it was it was a great New Year's Eve experience for my kids. But they lost, and it was the Pistons. Jaden Ivey. I held Jaden as a baby. So Jay Nivey, Javen Hunter's his dad played with me with the Ravens, grew up together in Detroit. Uh got, you know, he didn't even play much. And I was I was like, man, if Jay Naivy goes off, he didn't even play much. Like their second unit was going. And and the Timberwolves were up 21 to 7 at one point and then lost the game. And then they turned around. So I feel like it's a mental thing. Like the fact that you could do that and and maybe the the Nuggets were like, uh this is this is the Timberwolves list. We're not going to play hard against them. I don't know, so we'll see in the next couple of games. But we talked about that four-game stretch. They lost all four. They lost all four games. Yep. Last roundtable, we said the next four games, what needs to happen? I said they would get maybe one. They couldn't even get that one. I knew they wouldn't go two and two. That 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 group was too hard. But hey, Timberwolves got to figure it out, people. We'll talk about that more on on the uh, on the roundtable on Friday, uh, where this Timberwolves team's going. What do they need? I saw what they needed. So I'm excited to talk about that Friday in depth because I see exactly what they need. And it's a small piece that they just, they, they got to flip a switch and they say, this is what we need. This is what you got to do every game. Cause you can watch the Pistons and see it. You can, you can watch uh, the Warriors and see it. The Timberwolves have it, but they just don't flip that switch enough. And they just got to do it. At some point you just got to do it and say it and it becomes mental. Michael Jordan said it. It's just one of those things. And we'll talk about that on the round table. Uh, we're supposed to have courtney cronin with espn but you know the tv business everything is fluid things happen the weather uh there's a lot going on as we know with demar hamlin so we are going to try to postpone that one until tomorrow uh as we have some things in the works we have to work through with courtney uh and and we know that her schedule is crazy right now at espn because everything is live and fluid so we definitely understand that we're going to talk about vikings bears because we have to talk about this game this game it doesn't matter when you think about seeding. Two and three at the moment, theoretically, doesn't matter. Now, it does matter if you're talking about who you're going to play and if you want to host an additional home game. But is health more important than football? Is health more important than seeding? And we're going to talk about that next in, in the uh, Hanging around Johnson segment. But it's just going to be me and Sam. Where Sam's going to hang with me today. I enjoy hanging with Sam. He's a good guy. He's he's come over to the other side of hating No Kirk Cousins. We know that. But I want to make sure everybody knows. Check out our Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube, following every Twins, Vikings, Wild, or Wolves game. Our Locked On team hosts are broadcasting live with team insiders. Never miss a podcast by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube. And we have a word from our sponsors.
1: Well, there's some big line movement on Bet Online in this Vikings Bears game. It started around three, three and a half, and now it's six. The Vikings are favored by six at Chicago. Clearly, the Betters think that Chicago is going to go for that number one pick. Uh, you can place that at Bet Online. You can check out the over unders, the money lines, the spreads for every game, every league, every sport. It's bowl season, it's NBA, it's NFL. Vikings minus six on Sunday. You have uh, can find sports podcasts at Bet Online as well. Check it out on your mobile device, Bet Online, where the game starts.
0: And now, as I said, coming up in the hangover Ron Johnson segment, I got Sam Extram. Sam Mextrom's gonna hang around Ron Johnson today. So I got a couple questions for Sam. Uh, All we're right. gonna talk Vikings, Bears, of course, because that's the big game this week. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit, we can we can dive into the Timberwolves a little bit more, but we're gonna talk Vikings Bears because this game, to me, Sam, when you look at Brian O'Neill going on IR, you look at Austin Schloopman, this is the thing. Who would have thought we were clamoring for Austin Schloopman to be healthy? Like at no point yeah, in this season did you think me. Austin Schloopman, we need him to be healthy. Um, uh, with all the, the 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 musical chairs, I guess you want to call it of injuries to the offensive line and and Reed having to come in and play center. You almost forgot some of the issues. That they faced at right guard like nobody was even talking about the right guard after the tackle and the center went down after the center has been out for a while too ed ingram kind of got pushed to the side like nobody was was harping on because ed ingram had some great plays here and then. i don't know if it was many he's like man okay i got to pick my game up i don't have help or what but he did turn it on at times and then have those mental lapses and so when i look at that vikings packers game first going into this Bears game. Here's first, and and I'll let you go after this. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing that has to change against the Bears and the playoffs. The Vikings are a team. Here's my take on this. The Vikings are a team that can't have mental lapses. I mean, zero, because they can't overcome them. They're a team, and so the first mental lapse I'm going to go with is there was a tweet of a video of the kickoff return for a touchdown. If you watch the L5, which is the guy to the left of the kicker, his lane is normally three yards. It's hash and then one to two yards outside the hash one way, one or two yards outside the hash this way, and you stay in your lane. Why? Because if everybody runs down, all ten players run down in their lanes, the main eight go down, and then the two outside guys kind of they fold in and they're the the, the safeties, as you want to call it, uh, in case a guy squeaks through. Well, one, the safeties, I don't know what they were doing, but their fold was really lazy as if like, oh, we're just going to make this tackle. That's why you got to do kickoff return and kickoff, and it's got to be sound every time. Because the minute you have lackadaisicalness, which is those two guys didn't really come in quick and and then try to you know hit their blocker, separate, and get to the runner, he squeaks through. I think it was Jalen Naylor, and I hate to say that, but he goes up and he drifts. Past the L uh, the R five, past the R four, almost to the R three. Like he's three lanes over. That's like being in your car in cruise control, and you just start drifting from the left lane all the way to the right lane without your blinker. Like mm-hmm. he just drifted. And so not only did nobody have to block him, because they're like the guy that was coming down to block him in that lane is like, Oh, wait, where where is everybody? Like uh, and so that was the, his lane is where the touchdown, like that's where it happened. And I get the counter motion So a counter motion for people to understand is the returner starts out one way and then goes back the other way. And he does it on purpose. He starts off one way, knowing I'm going to try to get as many people as I can to think I'm going to go that way and boom. And it's just a counter return and his counter action got Jalen Naylor, Jalen Naylor drifted over as if like, Oh, he's going that way. I'm gonna go make the tackle. Stop playing hero ball on special teams. That's where teams get in trouble. One, trying to go block a punt when you're not supposed to. So either you let your guy go and they have a return set up or you hit the punter. Don't play hero ball on special teams. Special teams is supposed to be just get the ball back or keep them in a position to help your offense or defense out. Don't be a hero unless it's absolutely necessary. Kick returns call, pump blocks call. So Jalen Naylor for me, that was the one. That was the lackadaisical moment that even the special teams, I think he never went back. I don't kick off after that. But that's the lackadaisical moment that these Vikings can't overcome. They, they cannot do that. They have to be sound on all phases, offense, defense, and special teams and coaching. They have to be sound. I mean, clearly they could come back. But if you give up too much and you get too down on yourself, normally the Vikings were the team that would change the momentum with the special teams play, and they did it with the pump block. And then it got killed. And then not only did it get killed, then they had, a, they had a return against themselves. So that, that's where I go for the first one. They have to change that up if they're going to beat the Bears. Not only the Bears, but in the playoffs, make a run. Is there anything that you saw in the Packers game that has to change against this Bears team?
1: Uh, I'd like to see a run game that's a little more consistent. Yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel like in the games where they've gotten smoked, usually the run game never gets going and I, I know that this is a pass first team. Yep. But it sure helps if you can establish Dalvin at four or five yards to carry a lot of negative runs. Yep. Um, and I think, I think O'Connell is pretty quick to go away from it. Um, it, and it's funny because we always got on Zimmer for establishing the run way too long. Like stop it, Mike, we just need Correct. to throw. Yep. And, and now I think, I think Kevin's a little more on the other side of the extreme and I'd, I'd rather pass than run, but I, I think that Dalvin Cook needs to be a factor. Um, if you're going to have playoff success, if you're going to control the clock, you're going to help your defense out, Dalvin Cook needs to be a factor. Um, so I'd like to see him maybe get a little more work early um, and try to set the pass up. And I, that, that's it's counter to what I've usually asked for, but I would like to see a little more of that. Um, and I think that's a good way to get your offensive line feeling good about itself. Like you've got all these new guys in the offensive line now. Um, let them run block. I think that's a little easier, maybe a little more confidence building than having to drop back a lot of times. Um, I don't want to get Kirk Cousins hurt either, so that's why I think this needs to be a run first game, run first game plan. If you lose the game, it's not the end of the world. Um, but but go into this and try to to get your offensive line uh, in rhythm, get your run game feeling a little better. And um, if Justin Jefferson doesn't get a hundred yards, I think that's okay. Right? Yeah. And and this is the thing about it. Justin
0: Jefferson, like, you're not going to get the 2,000. I mean, now, granted, it is the Bears, but that surface, we know that surface is bad. They're, their season is over. So that grounds crew even knows that the Bears were talking about getting a new stadium outside the city. So the city's not taking care of that field the way they should. Uh, you could see it on TV. Uh, you could see it in in the way that the games have gone. Eagles, everybody that played with, at the Bears, doesn't look great. The Bears are the worst run defense in the NFL. They've given up almost 3,000 yards on the ground, 28.96. You have to be able to run the ball enough. Everybody else is doing it. You have a really good running back. Now, your offensive line is is, 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 but you have Ezra Cleveland and you have Christian Derisaw to the left. Just run outside zone left. Run counter left. Start right, counter back left. Let your power guys on the left side of that line do what they do best. It's like John Madden. They can't stop it, keep doing it. Even run outside the other way because whoever plays tackle, we'll see. (laughs) Ole Udo, who knows. But whoever plays tackle should be able to at least hold a guy long enough that Dalvin Cook can get outside, and now it's just receivers blocking, tight ends blocking on the perimeter, and now he can kind of pick and choose his space. Receivers have to be able to hold the DBs up either at the line or two or three yards down the line. Um, If those DBs start getting, you know, nosy, that's when you run play action but you should be able to run on this team because passing, and I don't know if it's because of how the games have gone with the Bears because they run, so other teams just run. They're they're not allowing a lot of passing yards. They have the best passing defense in the NFL. So it's it's like, it, it goes both ways. They're not giving up a lot of passing yards, but they're giving up a ton of running yards. So don't force a square peg in a round hole. Like I know we know Justin Jefferson can get going, but this might not be the game to do it. Run the ball. Like this is the game to do it. Alexander Madison and Dalvin Cook, put CJ Ham in the game. Don't you don't need to go three wide. Go big. See what happens. Put two receivers in there and two tight ends. You got Johnny Munt. Put him in there. See what happens. You got CJ Ham, Johnny Munt, and uh TJ Hawkinson. And you got Thielen or KJ Osborne and Justin Jefferson out there. Let Thielen rest. KJ Osborne, Justin Jefferson now you might get some better matchups you might get man coverage it's easier to see the double team when you only have justin jefferson over there you don't have to figure out what they're doing if you motion justin and nobody goes it's zone run a zone beater send justin on a on a deep corner send kj osborne on like a sit route behind it some kind of curl underneath it deep post dig run some zone beaters figure out what they're in but that's where the Vikings have to change. They have to They have to be able to run the ball on this Bears team. And Sam, it, it, when we talk about, because I talked about this, I said health matters over seeding, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. If it were you, and this was your team, would you rest as many players as possible, seeing what happened last week, losing your starting tackle and your backup center, knowing that, you know what, let's just try to get healthy. Let's just try to get healthy in this game so that I can, move on and, and make it to the playoffs healthy. Would you rest your players against the bears?
1: So I want to say yes, um, because I really have no faith that San Francisco is going to lose, mm-hmm. but there's a trickle down effect, Ron, like you, you only have 48 guys dressed. Um, so you can't just go straight backups. It's not a preseason game. Right. Um, And if you had like, for instance, If you say, all right, we want Christian Derriss out of the game. We don't want him getting another concussion. All right. Well, that means that you probably have to play your backup quarterback uh, because you don't want Kirk Cousins behind a bad offensive line. You don't want to have Dalvin Cook behind a bad offensive line. Um, But you probably can't rest everybody you want to rest. I mean, uh, you you would still be forced to play like a KJ Osborne. You would still be forced to play probably an Alexander Madison and you know, at least your number twos would still be logging big reps. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think that there's a middle ground. I think that you probably play your starters the first half. Um, I think you see how it's going and probably, you know, take the pedal off in the second half. And I don't, I think whether you're winning winning or losing, I don't know if it's really that critical. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I think that you probably try to limit, but not completely eliminate uh some of those starters. Because I, I think if you do that, I think it's just a slippery slope when you have some starters playing with backups. Um I don't know if that's a good formula either. Yeah. Well
0: coming up next we got the daily three. Before we jump into the daily three quick Sam, like I said, a little bit to extrapolate a little bit more on, on the Timberwolves. Um here's where I go with that. And and we'll talk again. We'll talk about it. I always like to end, kind of end it quick with a little, little basketball. It's basketball season. Yeah. Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards has to be the guy. He has to be the guy every single time. And to say he can't do it, you're admitting you didn't draft the right guy. I think they drafted the right guy. I've watched him in that Pistons game. Like, cause I, and I play basketball. So when I mean watch him, I mean when you see him handle the ball, when you see him confident, when he crossover, crossover, step back, jumper, and it's pure next time down, crossover, step back, sidestep, boom, hit another jumper. Next series down, come down, knock down a three. That tells me he can do it. Now, can he do it every night? That's where you have to understand where you can get the most out of him. Can he sustain that? Can, what, is, what is what does he need around him to do that? You know, do they need to understand? You know, you like D'Angelo Russell. When the shot goes up, you don't stand there and get mad you didn't take the shot. You go carve out spots. You look at point guards that rebound well. That's the teams that tend to do well long term. You gotta carve out space. You know, Kyrie Irvin had a put back, tip back dunk, and he's the PG. You gotta you gotta do other stuff than stand around sometimes. And that's where I feel like the Timberwolves get caught up. They play like they're at the wreck, where if one guy's hot, the next shot, the third, fourth shot that goes up, now everybody's just watching, like, oh, this guy's on. Like, no, you carve out spots every. Single time to box out. Because then when he misses, he's made three. He misses one. You get the rebound and put it back. Now you're on you're go you're on go mode. You're like, we we in we're we're going. We're in this. There's no team making stop. Like that's that's what I, I feel like they're missing. They're missing that guy that's just gonna keep coming down every time and knocking it down. And then when he misses, guys are ready to rebound. That's the small parts of their team. And then they don't have the ability to slow down teams. Like once the Pistons got going, it was like you couldn't stop it. It was a train. Like they just kept going down, and the Pistons would score. Timberwolves come down, and do something stupid. Pistons come down, and score. Timberwolves come down, and do something. Stupid. It's like, wait a minute, you guys were just up ten, and now the Pistons are about to go up one, and that's when you can hear the crowd booing. You can see the crowd getting frustrated, and then the, the Pistons, I think, went up eight. That's the things that can't happen. It can't happen because that that team's not good. They had won up to that point. They had won nine games. They were like nine and twenty eight or nine and twenty nine, and you got beat. Mm -hmm. So, again, we'll talk about this more in the roundtable on Friday, but the Timberwolves, I I said this last year, Anthony Edwards has to be the guy. Last season I said this, he has to be the guy. And and it's so often that D'Angelo Russell takes that shot and it's not his turn. It's not. You are the point guard. Just be the point guard. I know you want to be a scorer. I know you want to do the ice cold veins. Let Anthony Edwards do it. So when we jump into the Daily 3 next, we got the Daily 3. That's three questions, three minutes each. Sam might throw some curveballs at me because our questions, of course, we were set for Courtney Cronin to be here. But, again, we'll have her tomorrow. And Hey, people, remember, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast. And find our videos on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. And we have a word from our sponsors.
1: Thanks for making the Ron Johnson Show your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And we're back with me and Sam. And now it's time for the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes each.
1: Take it away, Sam. All right. I got a Bears question. This would have been great to ask Courtney. And if we get her back on, we will ask her this. But, Ron, what if the Bears lose on Sunday? What if they get the number one pick in the draft? They've got Justin Fields, one of the best running quarterbacks of all time. Would they consider taking a quarterback with the number one overall pick, C.J. Stroud, maybe, coming off an unbelievable performance in the bowl game, even though they lost? What do you think about that?
0: Well, the one thing, if they were to draft C.J. Stroud, you have two Ohio State quarterbacks now in your meeting room. Uh, Would C.J. Stroud be willing to sit? Because I think Justin Fields is probably under contract for two more years. So would C.J. Stroud be willing to sit for two years and to figure out if Justin Fields is the guy? And then if he is not the guy, then they have C.J. Stroud waiting, kind of like the 49ers were trying to do uh, when they had Jimmy Garoppolo and then they made their draft pick a Trey Lance. Um, I, I don't know why they would do that. But again, teams have done dumber things. Like you just never know. Uh, if C.J. Stroud was like a Justin Fields type of pick later, second round, third round, or sorry, um, Jalen Hurts, second round, third round, I'd say yes for sure. Uh, because then you you put a really good quarterback as a backup to your really good quarterback that you think you can get things going. But here's where I go with the Bears. I don't think they know what type of team they are. Like they are the number one running offense in the NFL when you think about production-wise, the, the, the Eagles – uh, throw a little bit better than them because they have A.J. Brown. The Bears don't have receivers. So I honestly feel like the Bears looking at uh, – when you look at the Eagles and what the Eagles have done with A.J. Brown and uh, Devonte Smith, I truly think the Bears know because they got Clay's Chaypool, uh, shoot, Clay, Chase Claypool, <laughs> and uh, I, I think they're going to try to find another receiver. I could see them getting that number one pick and using it for a ton of capital. So when you look at the Eagles and you think about what the Eagles have done with their offense and A.J. Brown – And uh, Devontae Smith, I truly believe that the Bears got Chase Claypool because they knew they needed offense. They traded away a lot of defensive guys. When you look at Khalil Mack, their goal is going to be to go get a receiver. So I don't think – so I think they trade that pick for a ton of draft capital, going to look at who – like what teams have some picks that are multiple. So you got the Lions. I don't know if the Lions would help the Bears out like that, but the Lions have multiple first-round picks. Maybe the Lions want the first-round pick because they want a quarterback. I mean, I don't know if Jared Goff's their guy. Maybe the Lions want to go get number one and get, get uh, C.J. Stroud. Now, do the Bears want to help the Lions go get C.J. Stroud? So that's where you got to play that game of like, if, if giving up C.J. Stroud to the, to the uh, Lions is worth us having two picks, maybe. But I, I could see the bears doing something like that getting too early picks, going to get an offensive lineman and then going to get a receiver because they clearly want to build this offense around justin fields and his ability to run and if jalen Hurts can do it i feel like justin fields can uh because he has done some stuff that's really good
1: new buzzer that i came up with uh yeah ron i think they're in a huge decision point for their franchise right because they've got this new gm mm-hmm. they just discovered what this quarterback can do. They didn't, they weren't doing this early in the season. They just figured out how to use Justin Fields, but you're only going to have this one time. You're probably not going to have the number one pick or even the top three picks uh, two years in a row. So you need to decide whether you think Justin Fields can expand the passing part of his game. Cause if he can't, I don't know if you can survive on just, just his legs. Um, It's a big decision for them. You've got so many assets. You've got a hundred million dollars in cap space. My guess is the Bears trade that pick and just build up draft capital. They'll go buy a bunch of offensive talent to put around fields. I don't think they will. But after watching Stroud, I don't know if you saw the game, he's going to make some teams super happy in the yeah. draft. I think he's really good.
0: Yeah, he's really good. What you got next?
1: All right. Uh what is so? This was again. This was going to be Courtney answering. What's one change that you think the Bears should make for next season? What's one change the Vikings should make for next season in Kevin O'Connell's second year? Because Kevin O'Connell, Matt Araflous, both first-year coaches. What's one big thing you think Kevin O'Connell should should do differently in his second year on?
0: Oh, that's tough because he. I mean, he's probably going to win 13 games this year, mm-hmm. so it's hard to say. What do you change in a 13 win? team or season and this is where I think he should make the change though I think the identity really needs to be put out there like if you're not going to run the ball uh in this second season I think he needs to lay his cards all on the table like if it's not trade Dalvin Cook like in this second season if he wants to truly just be the Rams you don't need to have a 50 million dollar running back and I think that's going to be the issue because that money can go towards an offensive lineman to help out Kirk Cousins and blocking uh that that can go to trading maybe for somebody before the draft because there could be a first round. Like, think about all the teams that could use a running back that have a first round pick that would give up. Dalvin Cook is worth a first round pick and then some. Like, if I have Dalvin Cook, I'm going to ask for a first and maybe a third um, round pick and say, hey, who wants Dalvin Cook? Do you want a, a star running back because you want to run the ball? Um, when you think about, and, and I would send him to the AFC. I would not let him be in the <laughs> NFC. <Smart. laughs> I would send him to the AFC. Um, so, you know, whether it's um, the L.A. Chargers, you know, who think they need to run the ball a little bit more, the, the Raiders in Las Vegas, because Josh Jacobs clearly doesn't want to be there anymore. Um, if I'm them, I'm going to look at a team where I know what I want, which is I want to go get a really good offensive lineman in the first round. Um, I don't need a receiver. I got KJ Osborne, I got Justin Jefferson, I got uh Alexander Madison, I got TJ Hawkinson because you can't pay TJ Hawkinson if you get if you still got Dalvin Cook and you got to pay Justin Jefferson probably 200 million at some point in the second season. Honestly, I'm gonna lay my cards out on the table and tell the world I have a passing team, I don't need a star running back, and I think that's what he has to figure out. And same with and unfortunately, and then that leads you to you know, what do you do with your fullback? Like, do you keep a fullback? Do you have multiple running backs on the roster and multiple tight ends and receivers, like, or do you have ten offensive linemen because your guys keep getting hurt? Like, he's gonna lay the he's got to lay the cards on the table and really prove what his offense is gonna be in the second season because he he inherited this offense now, but now this offseason, he can truly show the world what his team's gonna look like going forward. What do you think?
1: Is it too rash to say that I wouldn't mind a, a new defensive coordinator? Mm. I mean, I. I I think they – maybe there's some stuff that Donatel wants to do that his personnel doesn't allow him to do. Yep. But to me, I think that's bad coaching. Like I think that you need to fit the scheme around the personnel, not try to make the personnel fit the scheme. Correct. And I think if you switch – and if you have to learn some new stuff next year, it's not like your defense is going to be worse because you are already one of the worst. So I think – I, I would actually make a change there. That would be – and that's going to be tough. Like, imagine a young head coach having to go stare at a 63-year-old guy and tell him that he's fired after one year. I wouldn't want to have that conversation. So right. I, I get why That's it what Casey's happen. for. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, have <laughs> someone else do the dirty work because that sounds terrible. But I I would – at this point, I would like to see something different.
0: Right. And I agree with that. I do saw see a Daniel Hunter lineup wide – in the slot covering Christian Watson, yeah, no, that can't ever happen again. That can't ever happen again. Daniel's
1: athletic, but he's not. Yeah, he's not. He's not covering free.
0: nobody. No, no. Uh, which the
1: last one. Last one. Uh, all right. So looking at the wild card picture as it stands now, which wild card team do you think is the most dangerous in the playoffs? You can go AFC. You can go NFC. So just to give you the updated playoff picture, that would be the Chargers. Baltimore and the Patriots Mm -hmm. in the AFC. Um, And then the NFC would be Cowboys, Giants, and at the moment, Seahawks. But that could also be the Packers or the Lions. So I'm going with the team that is not in there. And I think the most
0: dangerous of all that list is the Packers to me. I feel like the Packers would Mm -hmm. be the most dangerous wild card team. I feel like they're a team that can beat anybody. They're clicking at the right moment. His receivers are catching balls at the right moments now. He's got Randall Cobb back healthy. Um, it's it their defense is good. Jay Alexander J J Air Jair Alexander is when you when you are that confident at corner, that's what you need. Like if you think about all the top corners back in the day, it was confidence. Darrell Reeves, he knew Revis Island was a thing. Like you're you're not gonna make a catch on me over here. Like you can keep coming my way. Uh Jalen Ramsey, when he when he was at his top, like you can't go his way. uh we already know Deion Sanders Swagger was on a hundred thousand billion. Um when, when corners are feeling like he's feeling, when you're grittying after breaking up a pass, your 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 swag is up. Like he's his 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 swag meter is on high. So I'm scared of the Packers. Like I think they're the most dangerous team. I think they're a team at a seven seed that can make it to the Super Bowl. Because when you look at the NFC, they can beat every single team. You match them up against the Packers, uh, pa- or sorry, you match the Packers up against the Cowboys. Give me the Packers. You match the Packers up against the 49ers. Give me the Packers. You match the Packers up against the Eagles right now. Give me the Packers. You give me the Packers versus the Vikings. I'm taking the Packers. So the Packers are the most dangerous team in the NFC. And 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 when you look at the AFC, the AFC to me always seems like the little brother at times. Like they just always it never feels like like against each other, they go at it. They look and then when they play the NFC and they they go against some stronger, more tougher opponents, it just seems like they wilt. And so those teams you name Baltimore, LA, like none of those teams seem scary to me. But the Packers to me. Even though they're not in, they have a 60, I think right now they say they have a 64% chance of getting in. Um, I just feel like they're the scarier team. I don't know. What about you?
1: Are we sleeping on the Cowboys at all? They this could be a 13 win wild card team. And they're only two losses since October 16th. We're in overtime. Um, they're they're good. They can score a lot of points. That defense is pretty tough, a lot of talent. I think Dallas and and they're gonna get a probably a uh, a declining Tom Brady in the first mm-hmm. round. I think they get out of that game and then they'll go play like you know, maybe the Vikings, maybe the the Niners. I think the Cowboys could could win anywhere. I think the Cowboys are are scary.
0: The Cowboys to me remind me of Tony Romo. The ghost of Tony Romo is still there. I feel like in the playoffs, the Cowboys always found a way around Romo's career to lose. Mm-hmm. And yep. I just feel like this Cowboys team is set up to do that. They're 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 gonna disappoint their fans. I don't know if it's gonna be a fumble, it's just a bad game. Dak's gonna be in his own head. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if Dak can overcome that and become one of the elite quarterbacks in the groups that everybody talks about, which is Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, um, you know, Jalen Hurts right now. Seems like he has the clutch gene. I, I just don't, I don't feel like Dak has it. I feel like Dak is gonna wilt a little bit in the playoffs. Pat Mahomes is, I mean, he's a man. We know that he is the man. He has the he has all the like if it's down to the wire, he's going at it. So I just don't I don't know if Dak and the Cowboys have it because it's going to be required for him as a quarterback to make a big play. Every playoff moment where quarterbacks have to make it, I don't know if Dak can do it. But that'll do it for the Ron Johnson Show today. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Mechner. We want to thank you guys for joining us. I do want to say this, people. Uh, continue to pray. Continue to pray um, because there is a serious situation going on in the NFL right now with the Buffalo Bills. We know that. Um, DeMar Hamlin uh everybody talks about like oh like you know people get hurt all the time you never think you're gonna die like getting cpr it's violent your ribs break for players have to sit there and watch their teammate get cpr on the field just to get them get a, a pulse back like he wasn't moving he wasn't breathing his heart had stopped and you're standing there on the field with the guy that you think is dead that's traumatic that's very traumatic and I don't think people understand that. When you look at the guys in war times that saw people die and they have PTSD, That's that's you're watching a guy die on the field with you in battle. Like, that's traumatic. And so to understand what these players went through, um, if you don't understand it, you don't have the compassion or empathy. Um, I know in this world, all of us behind the cameras, uh, covering teams, our job sometimes is to get the first, to be the first one out there. But this was a moment where it first didn't matter. Nobody needed to continue to say stuff, come up with ideas in the moment of a guy dying. Because when you have a family member that dies, your first thing is not to tweet out. My mom is dead or so-and-so just died, or I don't know what we're going to do, but Christmas must go on we're, you're not tweeting that stuff. You're just going to sit there and you're going to mourn. And you're going to think about, is she going to make it out the hospital? And I think that's where we lost it for a little bit because everybody was arguing now over who was first and who's who's responsible. But this is a kid fighting for his life. He signed up for football, break ankles, break fingers, concussions, all that stuff they knew. But dying on the field, heartbeat stopping, that's not something that anybody signed up for. And yes, we know that the game is dangerous. You can break your neck and die. But it's just something you don't sign up for you don't really think it's going to happen. And so that's why it's so traumatic for the other players on the field because they feel bad. And so as we continue to pray for DeMar Hamlin and his family and the Buffalo Bills Nation and the Buffalo Bills organization, I want to make sure everybody understands that. Having compassion, having empathy, it's okay to have that. And it's okay to not be first. You don't have to be the first person to get out there and say something or tweet something out about the situation. Let them deal with it, how they're going to deal with it, and they'll tell us when they're ready to tell us what's going on. But please continue to pray for DeMar Hamlin and his family. I want to thank you and have a great day, people.
1: Hey, Prime members.